Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I want to continue off of the conversation we were just having in our last episode about the vulnerability of love and being open to it. And how in doing that, we are fulfilling the greatest commandment that, that Christ gave us, going specifically to the gospel now, when he says the greatest thing you can do is to love each other as I have loved you. And as we saw throughout the Bible, Jesus was not afraid to do what was right, which included he never tried to avoid suffering. He did check-ins to make sure that people were okay. And he did a check-in with God to make sure he was doing what he was supposed to, as you see that multiple times, but probably most prominently in the, in the garden on Holy Thursday. Um, and you see that that's part of being human, accepting that things are going to go bad and teaching people how to do them afterwards. Um, example I, I think of there is after he sent his disciples out to go teach in their two by twos afterwards, he brought them in. They had this conversations about what worked, what didn't work and why. And Jesus wasn't stepping in saying, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. But he gave everyone room to explore both their strengths and their faults, which in itself is the ultimate form of vulnerability essentially letting them out into the world and seeing what would happen and not trying to micromanage them. So I want to, to take this conversation about that, about how we shouldn't be attempting to micromanage every system that's around us. We should allow things to grow and to explore. And they might not do the exact way we wanted to. They might not even get to where we wanted them to, but it might get to somewhere a whole lot better also might get somewhere worse. That's part of the risk of it. But as we discussed in our last episode, trying to deny risk is a foolhardy way to live life. So I wanted to take that as the starting point in today's episode and how applying this concept of being open to love is applicable in so many facets of our everyday life. Yeah, well, when you look at what Jesus did with the apostles, the disciples, with the church, it's um, not unreasonable to say he was crazy. What was he thinking? I mean, look at the disaster that ensued from that experiment. <laughs> and yet he was uh, he is God and he's therefore choosing the best way. But boy, we can look around at the mess that the church has made in so many different spheres and the debacles that we've gone through in history and say, God, where were you? Were you paying any attention? How about some micromanagement? We could use a little micromanagement around here. And yet he really leaves us free. And, and that's what love does. Love lets the beloved go free. What we see with God is that he is able to turn every fault into a happy fault. And that's where John Paul II asked this question in his last book, Memory and Identity. He said, is there a limit placed on evil? Is there a fence placed around evil or is it, does it have unlimited power? Does evil have unlimited power? And he said, no, the fence placed around evil is precisely divine mercy. God never allows an evil greater than that, which he can bring a greater good out of. And so 
God allows the consequences of evil. He allows the He allows men to sin, but only insofar as He can will bring a greater good out of that. And that's where we have God truly setting us free, and He's able to work out the designs of His divine providence. He has a plan. He wants things to end up in a certain place. He wants He desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He, he wants to transform our experience and ultimately to create a new heavens and a new earth. Um, he wants to, to do all of these things. He set out to do all of these things. And he is, uh, at the same time, incorporating our freedom into that. Our freedom is not negligible. It's not a, we're not like a straw man that is just faking it. It's uh, God's not giving us the semblance of freedom. He's giving us real freedom. Because that's what love does. Love sets the beloved free. Love doesn't operate under a command and control paradigm. Love doesn't micromanage. Love trusts and love gives freedom. In fact, love empowers greater freedom. It's uh, the, the loving one empowers the, you know, as the, as the father of the prodigal son empowered his son by giving him half of his inheritance. Love actually empowers or or look at Joseph and Jesus. Joseph taught Jesus his trade and gave him what he could, gave him the, the power, the tools of the trade, as it were, to, to have more freedom, have more possibilities, have more capacity. Now, Jesus is God, obviously, but still in his humanity, he needs to be formed. And Joseph helped to form that humanity in a way that gave even greater capacity to, to Jesus and his human nature. And so, we see love setting the beloved free, love empowering the beloved to have greater freedom, and thus also unleashing uh, greater danger on the world. Because like the prodigal son, that beloved who is empowered can go astray, can make the wrong choices, can do bad things. And the father didn't go and micromanage the, the younger son's life. He gave him real freedom to act with that inheritance. And the younger son made bad decisions. And the father was there to welcome him home and to love him, continue to love him, and empowered him again, clothed him in a royal robe, put his signet ring, his signature on, on the son's finger. He gave he he came back after after spending half of the father's inheritance. He came back and the father gave him signing power over everything he had. It's uh it's an incredible gesture of generosity and trust. The father was obviously not worried. There's a and and that's how we should perceive God in the abundance of what he has. He's not worried that we're going to like wreck the house or uh or or bankrupt his kingdom. He the, the father's got it under control and he can give us real freedom even to make mistakes, even terrible mistakes. And that's the way that we're loved and ultimately it's only when we have that kind of freedom that we can grow, that we can really grow. And so um, so those are examples for us. You know, we can get into the the nitpicky about uh, enabling and, you know, not that we want to give everything to everyone and we've got to be prudent. And, and God does all of that, too. God is uh, discerning in the way that he empowers his children. And uh, but he gives us a tremendous amount, more than we could have ever asked for. When we think of the sacraments, when we think of the um, the power of the church to influence culture and to change lives. Uh, he gives us a tremendous amount and he entrusts us to entrust it to our care. And, um, and, and we're guilty even of 
of desecrating those sacred things. We're, we're ultimately guilty of murdering God. God gave us the power to murder him. And we did that in the crucifixion. We killed God. So God just trusts us a tremendous amount. And, and when we take a risk and love others and set them free and empower them, we're, we're being godlike in that. And we, we, uh, we want to do that in a discerning way because we don't have all of the power of the kingdom at our, at our fingertips like he does. We're not capable of making good out of everything like he is. And so we want to do those things in accord with his plan and try to follow his direction. But at the same time, to, to really take a risk, to really empower others, to, to really love in a way that sets others free. And if you look at the way you concluded that there, it pretty much encapsulates part of about what every podcast we've represented in the last month has been, the, the ability to, to not be afraid to listen to what God is calling us to do, um, as we discussed about Mary earlier, and to be open and to be vulnerable to the risk of love and to be open to that. And it, it, it also speaks to the universality of the church, because as you mentioned there, that in each individual circumstance, we treat everyone a little bit differently based upon our relationships. And I think that's a human nature, maybe a human preference type thing. You, know, you just know that this friend is into liking the Steelers and this one's into liking the Ravens. So we that's what you end up talking about um, when, whenever you're with them. That doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong, but... sticking to the concept of the universality of of the faith in that it's not that the Steelers fans are getting a different list of sacraments than the people in Baltimore. It's, it's the same universality that the power of confession will help you regardless of who you are and where you are and opening yourself up to this is where I fell short. Um, and, you know, God always looking at it based upon the gifts that he gave you and what can you handle. As we concluded the last episode, what burdens were you able to handle that you chose to and which ones were you able to handle that you just ignored? And our calling to, to go into that and that God's not going to force us to do one thing or the other and nor should we do it to the people who are in our care. And... Yeah, there's going to be times that you're going to look completely crazy and insane because you let that happen. You know, if you let your, your in, in the case of a business, if you let someone make a decision about hiring someone and it was the worst person you've ever brought into your company ever, that can be a bad situation and you can look incredibly foolish for it. But at the same hand... That's how you learn and go, well, this is the things we need to look for to avoid next time, or this is what we should look for to go. It, it gives you a, a chance to to grow, to move forward. Um, you know, another example that's popped in my head is, is being a parent and yelling at the umpire because he called a strike or a ball on your kid, depending upon what's going on out there, is about as opposite from this as it can be. You know, you have to allow your kid to step up to the plate and be what it'll be. Not every pitch is going to go his way. And to allow that vulnerability that your, your plan doesn't matter. And that 
ultimate humility to accept that, um, I think is an important part of it. Because at the end of the day, whether the, the pitch was a strike or a ball doesn't matter. What matters is, are you moving forward in a direction that's going to be open to bringing in more love rather than being an example of fight everything you don't, that you're not getting what you feel you should be given. So I want to, uh, to, to kind of highlight that as, as we're moving forward here, because we are called to do more, but the micromanaging of people beneath us is going against essentially the commandment Jesus gave. That's not loving each other as I have loved you. That's not giving people the freedom to, to explore and, and to be able to grow in this world. Now, granted, that's not, you just let a child go and without ever checking them. Cause there, we also are called to be stewards. Um, and maybe this will be a good time to articulate how that balance works within the church. As far as our callship to be stewardships, um, while still having this context of being open and, and non-micromanaging. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's not easy. I mean, and, and I never want to give that impression. We, we have to sort of know know what the, the problems are, what are the extremes that we can go to, and then try to be careful of those. It's, it's a little like a, when you drive, you, you kind of look indirectly at the lines on the road. I mean, primarily you're looking in front of you and driving, but you're paying attention to the, you know, the yellow lines in the middle and the, and the white lines on the side. And you get maybe some rumble strips to help you out if you're not paying enough attention. And, and that's where we have to be in a lot of these uh, parenting, empowerment, leadership kinds of discussions is paying attention to not being micromanaging on the one hand, not being too laissez-faire on the other hand. We have to take responsibility as leaders. We can't abdicate responsibility. At the same time, we don't want to overexert that responsibility because we want to trust. And, and that's where, again, following that via media, which is uh, that middle way, which is not simple. It's, uh, it, takes, it takes some work. And, and we do need, um, you know, maybe the analogy for rumble strips is having somebody that we trust who can say, hey, stop it. Stop micromanaging. Let that person go. Let that person make some mistakes. And sometimes I'm that guy for people that I give spiritual direction to. I have parents who are overly anxious about their children in some cases, and I have to say, hey, come on, let let it let the person go and make mistakes. Let your son, let your daughter go and make mistakes. It's going to be okay. It's uh, they're they're not going to go too far. You've raised them well. But on other cases, uh, I have to say, hey, we're, you know, you need to reach out. You're uh, you're letting your your son or your daughter go too far. And they need your help. They need your presence. They need you to assist them. They need your advice. And so we can be that for each other is the point. And we need people like that in our lives that can help us to see. It's often hard to see from the position that we're in. It's hard to see the forest for the trees. And it's hard to see the areas where we go astray. So that's where we have to surround ourselves with, uh, with good people, I think, who can inspire us sometimes to give us a possibility. I mean, I learned a lot of these things from watching other people. Uh, these aren't just kind of, you know, good ideas that I came up with. I really watched people who loved. And then I've been also the recipient of both micromanagement and uh, laissez-faire and really good leadership, good headship in my own life. And 
I know how much I thrive when I'm given enough space to make mistakes, but when I'm also given enough support that I have somebody to turn to and somebody to call me out or to call me on. And that's a, that's a great blessing. So I try to be that kind of leader and I, I fail at it in lots of ways. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, continuing to try and, and live out some of those ideals in, in helping the people who, are, uh, who have been entrusted to my care. And two thoughts have come from, from that type of leadership that I've seen in other people is two, I guess, common threads. And the first one being that if they feel that there's something that they need to get out of them, even if it comes out ugly or messy or not necessarily formatted correctly, they figure out just a way to get it out. And, and it's just articulated. And the second part is, is that the ability to acknowledge that it's not about me and I might've messed up. Um, I guess those are two separate things as, as you dive into it, but the, the ones that are the most successful, um, regardless of, of where you're looking at leadership, the easiest example is to show head coaches at basically any sport. Cause they're always interviewed after, after immediately after they win or lose, they're interviewed, which is on some great torture and on some great, just great entertainment. Um, the ones that are, are the ones that are consistently the best and consistently having their teams in, in situations where the, they're winning are the ones that don't take credit for everything. They're the ones who acknowledge that, yeah, we, I did some stuff, like we put them themselves in a good position, but ultimately the team executed. The coaching staff did, came up with a good plan and all that, but the team executed. And you contrast to some of the other coaches who are always blaming people and they always seem to have losing records and, and it's just not working out for them and they're making it all about them, good, bad, or ugly. Because... To go to our, our last episode, that might work great in the short term. You're getting all this praise for having a big win that you shouldn't have gotten, but in the long run, it doesn't. And how many times we have seen that analogy fall through? Certainly true in, in economics. To do a short-term investment in the future is oftentimes vastly more successful than reaping a whole bunch of gains and forsaking the future. Um, obviously, there's tons of nuances to that, but that's the general truth of essentially economics. And it's amazing how applicable that core concept is to everything, as it seems to be a human nature thing. You know, as a child, you can be disrespectful and get what you want now, but in the long run, you're you're in a worse position. And I guess that kind of goes full circle back to the micromanaging part about how to to, to be the leader in charge of that. And, um, yeah, I, I, sorry if I, I went full circle and kind of took us off the rails there, but I do want to give you a chance to conclude this episode as we have about five minutes left or so. Well, I, I think it brings up a number of, uh, interesting points for reflection in terms of, uh, taking risk as we've been talking about, and we take risks in our own lives and try to make, uh, of uh, reasonable risks, take reasonable risks that we can think through. We're not just being uh, reckless. And love always involves a risk. And so there's no love without risk. Risk and vulnerability really go hand in hand. 
And uh, love is also going to increase our suffering because we're going to suffer for two now. And the natural suffering that comes to every one of us is going to come to our beloved, and we're going to share in that. The, although, when we take a risk, there's also going to be a positive benefit. We're going to increase the opportunities for genuine freedom, and so we're going to increase the joy by taking the risk of loving someone and also sharing their joys, sharing their successes, having the chance to see them grow. And when we risk and we invest in someone, then sometimes there's going to be disappointment, even rejection and betrayal. Um, other times, hopefully all the time, there's going to be a, a real increase in joy because there's going to be the benefit of seeing someone take their own risks and, and make mistakes, but learn from their mistakes and also thrive under that loving uh, guidance, loving support that they get from us. And so in the areas of love, in the areas of our personal lives, and certainly all of that comes together in our faith as we take a risk in investing ourselves as Christians, as Catholics, fully in our faith, putting all of our trust, building our whole lives on Jesus Christ as the one reason that matters, that lasts, that applies to everything. And as we make him really the center of our lives, that's the, that's the big risk. And if we're willing to take that risk, then we also find a father who really loves and empowers us, find a father who is there to, to help us and, uh, and uh, find real fulfillment and meaning in our lives. So, so anyway, maybe uh, bring, bring a few things together in those summary words. And as you look at it, that's the ultimate calling of loving each other as I have loved you to move forward and to live the faith. And while that can be incredibly scary, what you just outlined right there, it's ultimately incredibly what our faith's about and will reward us here on earth. And the belief is, is that it will reward everyone else around us throughout eternity. So we thank everyone for listening with us here today, and we will be with you again next week.